Hello and welcome to season two of the Back in the Day podcast. I'm your host, Gary. This is episode nine, It Never Came Home. As always, we are recording this virtually and tonight I welcome two guests, Mark and Johan. So, Mark, how are you first of all? All good here, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. Looking forward to the Champions League in about uh, an hour's time. So uh, let's speed through it, boys, huh? Okay, <laughs> Just right. Let's move on then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yo, how are you, mate? I am very well, thanks, mate. Good to be back on and looking forward to uh, presenting you a glorious team today. Excellent. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Basically, just a bit of background for our listeners. Yo was on our first ever Back in the Day pod, season one, episode one, which was scouted. Uh, so Yo helped me kick uh, the Back in the Day podcast off quite uh, nearly yeah. a year ago now. Um, May, I believe. May 2020 last year. Um, and then Mark came on episode nine, an alternative 11, and we had a debate about an alternative Premier League 11 as well. Um, so before... We talk about a topic today. I'd like to go through some comments from episode eight, which was harder, better, faster, stronger. Goats. Okay. So, um, Michael from the 80s and 90s football um, Twitter page said, um, this was quite nice actually, he said, um, another great pod. And he said, best one in his opinion. Um, so, he said... He, was, he thought there were some good points made from regarding the back pass rule, offside law, changes post-Italian 90, the offside law um, uh, in, in recent times, tackles from behind, the Bosman ruling, first Women's World Cup. And he just said he believes all of those changes were for the better. Um, and then my uncle Danny commented actually about the... Um, about the kind of the offside trap and the old Arsenal back four. And, yo, you're like this as an Arsenal fan. He said, it reminds him of the film, The Full Monty, because uh, in the film, when they're all lining up, they say, um, they end up in one line as the dancers. And they some, say something like, um, just remember the Arsenal back four. Um, when I put my arm up, you all step forward. So, um, yeah, it was... Uh, the Arsenal back four was in the film. Uh, yeah, the, well, old, they the, old in the, film. <clears throat> the old days. The old days. So not the present. Not the present team. Not the present Arsenal team. No, but the old days definitely, <laughs> nonetheless. Um, so um, also, those were some of the comments. Um, also, the back in the day appearance pin badges have gone out. I decided to give something as a gesture to my guests. Um, sent all of those out today. Um, Mark, you received. Um, two, because you've appeared twice. This is your second appearance. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the hat-trick pin badge, although I want you to change it up a little bit, maybe a football, uh, some beers, you know, uh, badges are lovely, but uh, you can only wear so many, so yeah, whatever's I've, next. I've got an idea, actually, for the uh, the hat-trick appearance uh, one. Uh, I've been working on that today, funnily enough, um, so watch your space. Um I do liken them uh, to a, like a, an England cap, the equivalent. So uh, I hope you enjoy them. Oh yeah, de- definitely. Yeah, the equivalent is right there, isn't it? That's yeah. it. So, um, so basically, um, we go on to the title. And Mark, would you like to explain the title? It never came home to the listeners. 
Well, yeah, I mean, back in the day, 90s football, uh, I do feel like a little bit of a fraud having put these this, this team together today because uh, when I think about the 90s, I think about Euro 96 and I forget that there was uh, you know, five, six years worth of football before it. So uh, I don't remember any of it, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, fraudulent. Uh, committing fraud this evening, listeners. Uh, but thinking back to the 90s, I do think that it's probably England's uh, most successful, unsuccessful decade I can remember, actually, in football. Just, the you know, the highs and the lows, the successes and you know, not even qualifying. So I just thought, you know, a good idea to put together a pod. Uh, England's best, uh, best 11 from the 90s. Yes, definitely. That's basically what we're doing tonight. So... Mark and uh, Yo will be um, coming up with their own team. I don't know their teams. Uh, they haven't told me. I don't even know their formations. But it's their England eleven from the 1990s. But we put a little rule in place, haven't we, Yo? Would you like to explain that to listeners? Yep. So um, the rule is it's a minimum of five international caps. And those caps <clears throat> would have have to have come between um, January 1st, 1990, and December the 31st, um, 1999. So, you know, you have to have had that five caps and it has to have been in the 90s. So no one from the year 2000, 2001, no, 89. It's, it's, it's strictly 90s. Yeah. It'd be, and it'd be interesting because I've kind of alluded to this already. Uh, Yo's an Arsenal fan uh, to our listeners and uh, Mark's a QPR fan. And QPR had a little bit of kind of success had some good players in the 90s who broke into the England squad so I'm interested to see mm. you two boys pick is there a bit of bias I mean I don't think there was a little bit of success I mean London's top team 95-96 Sinclair Ferdinand MP Brever you know I don't think that's a little bit of success I would say that was uh, that was the pinnacle of my QPR career to be honest yeah, as a fan that's why you uh, had the 90s, mate, that you can't remember. <laughs> yeah, the next season you got relegated, uh, but it was all right for that season. Not too yeah. bad. That's good. Good, good times. Um, so, no, it'd be interesting just to give the listeners a bit of context. Now, before we go into formation, I'm just going to why we come up with this idea as well. And going back to what Mark said, actually, about the 1990s, was because it was a relative success, successful period for England, um, internationally, but um, it was kind of, it, at times it was a bit of a mixed bag. Yes, we can remember, you know, Italia 90, which Andy spoke about in um, episode one, season two, um, relative success, semi-final appearance. But then we go into 1992, Euro 92, and we finished bottom of the group um, behind Sweden, Denmark and France. Sweden beat us 2-1 in that final game. Lineker subbed, um, you know, he was going for the record as well. Alan Smith come on um, chasing the game. And it's always a bit controversial, that. Um, 94 was USA 94. Obviously, we didn't qualify. Um, we finished third behind Norway and the Netherlands. Um, key bits there at the qualifying campaign. If you get a chance, uh, I don't know if you boys have seen it, but the documentary on Graham Taylor in that period of time where they followed the, the team and things like that, it's really, really interesting. I don't know if you've seen it, boys. No, I've not seen it yet, but I will. Um, I will give that a watch. Thank you. Yeah, so it's it's a good good little watch that, and 
the loss away at Norway was quite significant. Well, turned out very significant. And in Holland, the 2-0 game, where Ronald Koeman obviously pulled down uh, David Platt and there's the whole footage of, do I not like that? Do I not like Orange? And Graham Taylor berating the uh, the fourth official on the sideline and the lino. Um, I don't know if it was a fourth official, but actually I don't know if it was just a lino. I'm not sure. But, um, but it's... It's, it was a key factor in, in sort of England's international period, 92 to 94, was relatively un- unsuccessful after the semi-final appearance. Then Euro 96, which I spoke about in episode two, season one with Andy again, um, successful in the respect that we got to the semi-final. We were unlucky against Germany. And this one, France 98, I haven't really talked too much about this. It's come up about Beckham sending off in um, episode six, season two with Paul and Louise as Manchester United fans. Um, basically that qualifying campaign we'd lost to Italy at home at Wembley but then um, then drew nil nil away in Italy and transpired that we, we went through and Paul Lintz, it's like the Terry Butcher with the blood the, the head injury and Ian Wright hit the post at the end so there wasn't a riot um, Eileen Drury did something to, to stop that ball going in according to Glenn uh, Hoddle uh, apparently um, but um, and then getting to the the quarterfinals, the emergence of Michael Owen, um, obviously the Beckham sending off, um, but losing at penalties. But I mean, I think that was a relatively successful um, World Cup campaign. I think we were very unlucky against Argentina. I don't know if you boys agree. What do you think, Mark? Well, I mean, or Yo? Go for it, Yo. Well, go. I'll go. Yeah. Well, I'll, go. I'll go. I mean, if I remember that. <laughs> The Sol Campbell disallowed goal. Yeah, if you remember against Argentina, and that was um, that was gut wrenching. Um, obviously, the um, the Beckham sending off changed a lot, um, and yeah, I just think we were unlucky. But I mean, we have been unlucky as a nation in major finals, you know, and it, it's a kind of recurring theme, isn't it, for England? Um, so you know, it is what it is. I mean, we we can go back to nineteen. 19- and think about how we lost, you know, in the semi-finals to Germany, and it—it's kind of like I said, it's a recurring theme. But you now, what can you do? It's England. That's it. Do you want to add anything <laughs> just, to that, Mark? Yeah, I just remember, you know, France '98 was uh, was Owen's was Owen's World Cup. I just remember him bursting onto the scene, just just, just destroying the uh, the Argentinian back. I know that goal, but it, it was every five to ten minutes. Every time he got on the ball, he just looked like a different class, and you thought, here we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Every time he got on the ball, they just had no clue. And it's one of those ones where it was a little bit unknown, wasn't he, as well, in the world at the time. And it was uh, young, fresh, and no one had a clue. I, I just remember that for the Owen World Cup, if anything else. I know Beckham getting sent off, uh, get sent off and stuff, but uh, it was Michael Owen. But uh, we'll find out later on if I've got Michael Owen or not. That's it. And I will say about a bit later on about the the Owen impact and no one really knowing him. And Theo Walcott later on in the in the two thousands and noughties was chosen for a for a World Cup very young. Um mm. didn't didn't even appear, did he? And uh, he I, you know, I've listened to an interview he had, I think, with Peter Crouch and said you know, he felt like just uh, a bit of a tourist with his camera going around taking photos around like um, <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and just didn't feel really, really part of it, really. But the impact Michael Owen was um, in '98 was very significant. But we shall see if he makes your teams. So, mm. uh, formations. Mm. Let's go to Mark first. What formation are we playing? 
I was I was going to go down the lines of four four two, but see when you start planning these things and putting four four two, and you start thinking who's going to play left side of midfield for England, it was such a big talking debate all the way through the nineties who's going to play left side, and then you start thinking well there was no one to play left hand side. Or was there? Then you go to the right-hand side and you think, oh, what, what am I going to do? Is it, is it Beckham? Was he overrated? Anyway, I'll cut a long story short. I'm boring now. I went five. I went five at the back, two wing-backs, three centre-halves, three in midfield and two up front. So five, three, two. Championship manager. Push the, uh, push the wing-backs on with the lines up the side. Uh, five, three, two. That's All where right. I've gone. So, and that was um, kind of the, the Glenn Hoddle way in 98 at the uh, the five three two or the three five two in attack. Um, yeah. So is, is Eileen Drury giving you any guidance tonight? I wouldn't like to speculate whether she has or she hasn't. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. And yo, what are we going for? Oh, well, I mean, it's it's conservative night tonight. He's gone five at the back. I've gone <laughs> four five one. Oh. <laughs> right. Four five one, but. Remember, four five one can turn into <laughs> four three three, right? So we're fluid. Yeah, we're fluid. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going like to well. Yeah, I would like to say with the personnel that I have gone with, it's more like a four five one. So okay. a lot of pressure on the striker and a lot of pressure on the uh, midfielders supporting the uh, the lone man up top. Now, this is very interesting in the respect that you've obviously gone uh, different formations, um, but you're looking at obviously ways of kind of defence and attack and how you can, how the, the team's fluidity can change throughout the course of a game. Um, but also, traditionally, England's a 4-4-2, um, and there's not a 4-4-2 in sight tonight. So I'm really, I'm pleased in that respect because I think you've really... You're becoming the uh, maybe the modern day managers, and that's influenced your decisions for the past. And maybe, well, I agree. Yeah, I agree, Gail. That, that is exactly it, isn't it? The game's changed so much, and you look back and you, you look and you look at the opposition back in the nineties and what they were up to, and then you would say that England were too rigid back in the nineties, and they never had a plan B. And you know, it's one of those ones, isn't it? it, it it's the team that we selected tonight. Is it a team that's reminiscent of the 90s or is it a, an evolved team? You know what I mean? Like, could we have actually won something with our teams had we have done this? Forget Hoddle, forget Taylor, forget them all. I've got the answer here. It's written down on my piece of paper. Uh, no, that, it, yeah, it's a really good point to make and I'm just looking forward now to jotting these down. Um, so we're going to go... Just so our listeners know, we're going to go alter, alternate. So we go to Mark first for a position, then Yo for a position, and we work our way through the teams, okay? And obviously we're playing different formations, but I'll get to as close to kind of the right back will be the right wing back and so on and so forth. I'll do it like that. Okay, so um, we start with um, Mark then first of all. Uh, goalkeeper. Okay. Seaman. It's got to be David Seaman. Uh, not because I'm a QPR fan and that's where he made his name. And then he went to Arsenal, yo, so you've got a little bit there as well if you want it. But uh, I don't know. It was it was a little bit of a toss-up between Shilton and Seaman. And there's a little bit of a nod and a wink there to people like Chris Woods, Tim Flowers, Nigel Martin, Ian Walker, all those goalkeepers through the 90s. But anybody that saves a penalty against Scotland deserves legendary status and they've got to go in. And Shilton made his debut in 1970. 
I can't think a goalkeeper who made his debut in 1970. Uh, and, and Alf Ramsey gave me his debut in 1970. I'm not picking Peter Short. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not having it. So, Seaman, you're in by default. Uh, Seaman's in. Okay. I'm not going to say anything about Peter Shilton until Yo confirms who he's put in. <laughs> so, uh, Yo, who's your goalkeeper? Right. So, before the pod started, I was <laughs> checking EnglandStats.com. The reason why I was checking EnglandStats.com was to find out when Peter Shilton made his debut. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that is the absolute truth. Right, so, um, on confirmation of that, um, I went with David Seaman. Right, so, you know, the ponytail, just the quality of the keeper, the fact that he, he, I grew up with David Seaman, right? I grew up with him in the 90s as Arsenal's keeper, as England's keeper. And for me, I mean, I couldn't look past it. Shilton, yes, great keeper, but, you know, he, he didn't make, he didn't have another cap after 1990. So, um, yeah, it's, it's David Seaman for me. And, um, there you go. Happy with that. Yeah, I think both you going for Seaman. I I would have gone for the same um, reason. I think Shilton was a great goalkeeper, obviously. But yeah, nineteen seventy. I think by nineteen ninety, <laughs> I think he was struggling to get down to those penalties. Those German penalties. Yeah, you could say they were good, but he was struggling to get down to that. And and Nils talks about his nineteen ninety six appearance roaring as well. He he couldn't quite kick the ball to the edge of the end, let alone the halfway line. So but respects Peter Shilton, what a what a career. I mean Unbelievable. Um, Unbelievable career. Yeah. Just I think a little he, bit before Yeah, you know, and I think Seaman was very much your nineteen nineties goalkeeper, wasn't he? Um yeah. So, Both of them bowled out in similar fashion, though. But, you know, Shilton's uh, error in the 90s there, when, when he was tackled by Roberto Baggio, uh, yeah. they, they sort of both finished the same sort of way. And Seaman getting lobbed from Ronaldinho's free kick and the corner uh, getting done by the corner. It's similar sort of exits on the England team, really. But, uh, yeah, both legends. Yeah, exactly. Then we're finished on that. Both legends, great goalkeepers. So... Right, okay, so 5-3-2, Mark. So we're going to go, I'm going to go right wing back for you and then I'll come to you for a right back, okay? So right wing back then? Yeah, uh, tricky one, this one, because this is where, when you start thinking about world-class players and, uh, like I say, Lee Dixon, is he world-class, part of the Arsenal 90s boys? Yeah, decent. But I've gone Gary Neville, uh, just as a bit of a steady Eddie. Um, there's nothing brilliant, I think, about Gary Neville. I mean, and he's, he was just consistent, didn't tend to let you down too much. So, right wing back, yeah. Uh, I was I was tempted with someone like McManaman. But that would have been too, that would have been too attacking for me. I've got Gary Neville, Gal. Gary Neville, okay. Right. Um, again, I won't talk about Gary Neville until Yo confirms right back <laughs> position. Yo? Well, this is going to be an exciting podcast because we've got the same teams. I've gone Gary Neville. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like him more as a pundit than I did when he was a player. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just think he's the perfect 90s fullback because um, I think it's, it's at a time when fullbacks needed to be able to defend and the attacking side of it, it wasn't, it didn't need to be roaring fullbacks at that time. You know? 
teams used to play with um, less with inverted wingers cut, cutting inside and then allowing space for the fullback to roar down and get some crosses in. And he did, he did have a good delivery on him. But for me, he was just a steady Eddie, as Mark said. Eight out of ten. Um, good defender. Could cross. And then also, I mean, I don't want to give away a hint to who my right midfielder is, but you know, he had a relationship. He had a really good relationship with uh, with, with that player. So for me, um, for me, Gary Neville. Yeah, I, I I have to agree with you both. Actually, I mean, like you said, this is not going to be that interesting. <laughs> but, uh, no, but no, it will be honestly, listeners. Uh, don't switch off yet. You never know. Um, but no, I think bearing in mind our ages, we're all similar ages. So me and you are uh, the same age, and then Mark's uh, just a year, just a year younger. So it stands to reason that these sort of players will figure in your minds. And and Gary Neville again, like you said, very steady. Both of you said that. I thought the same as well. And actually. You know, we talk about getting forward as well, but, you know, um, pre probably who you're going to talk about later, you know, but he, what, he, he got forward in Euro 96, put the cross in first year, didn't he, uh, against Scotland for his, for his header. So, yeah, very committed player. So, Gary Neville's in for both of you. Okay. So, um, we go, I'll tell you what, we're going the other fullback position. So, now we're going um, left wing back for Mark. Okay, and then we go left back for Yo. I know, I know who he's got. I know, I know who he's got. This, you, maybe I could go now, so then it's like, well, it doesn't what, seem like I'm copying him. I'll tell you what we do is actually, yeah, you're right. Let's mix it up a bit. Yo, you can go first on the next two. There you go. Who's your left back? So my left back is yeah. Stuart Pearce. Oh, he's copied me. My left back, <laughs> my left back is Stuart Pearce, right? The reason is psycho... Solid, <laughs> unforgiving, grab you by the scruff of your neck. Right, he's that type of player with a lot of quality at the same time. I always remember you know, that penalty in Euro 96 against Spain, you know, when he scored that, and that meant so much to him after, obviously, what happened in 1990. And just a passionate player, give anything for the shirt. And like I said, up and down, just a fullback with a lot of quality and um, great left foot. So for me, for me, I can't look at anyone else. I mean, you had Graham Lasso, really good player for England. But, um, you know, it's like Ashley Cole came yeah. a year too late or, you know, two years too late. If, if then, if Ashley Cole would have made it into the 90s, we could be talking about something else, right? But that's I've gone it. with Stuart Pitt. I'm happy with, um, I'm happy with that selection and um, that's what I've gone with. All right. So, Mark, uh, your left wing back. It was it was close. <clears throat> it was close. I didn't know whether to go with Barry Venison or Tony Dorigo. Uh, and then it was Andy Hinchcliffe. And then I and then I spotted Graham the so and things were getting better. And then I and then I remembered uh, what's his name? Stuart Pierce. Oh Stuart Pierce. And then I remembered Stuart Pierce and I was thinking, right, Piercey for me. <laughs> but, but more than that, I, I, it's a little bit like Gary Neville. Like never even was it, was it Stuart Pearce who gave the goal away against San Marino when we needed to score nine and it was like a short back pass? Yes, he did, yeah. I mean, it was, it, there were a few mistakes in him, don't get me wrong, but it's, if you ever wanted someone in the changing room at sort of, you know, 2-0 down at half-time or whatever it was, 
Stuart Pearce is the person to to bring you all along with you, isn't he? You know what I mean? He, that's the person you he's want at time. He's a leader. He's a leader. Absolutely. And he was England. He was through and through. And there's so many players that just sort of, I mean, I've, I've never been in the dressing room like that, of course, but I don't know. I'd, I'd need those players to get the best out of me. And I think, mm. I think let's say, he was prone to a few mistakes here and there, but he'll bring the best out of the rest of the boys. And I think that's definitely what you're going to need, a bit of spirit. So, yeah, just like you, uh, Piercy left back. Left I'm, I'm just going to go with Stuart Pierce as well and talk about that. that um, I mean, what a journey he did make during the 90s. You, you think, uh, as Joe sort of alluded to, you know, 1990, missed a penalty against Germany in the semi final. Euro 96, redeemed that by scoring two penalties in two. Uh, two matches in that, including one against Germany in the semi-final as well. But, the, you know, the sheer emotion in his face when that first one went in against Spain, it meant so much. And I think that's what endears fans to players, you know, to showing how much emotion and care was in that. You know, he, he really cared and he really wanted to do well for the shirt. Um, and I do remember a little story about Stuart Pearce, if you didn't know this, when he came to West Ham in his late career, um, when I had my season ticket one year, he played for us. He used to play in the, the free, the back free, alongside Rio, actually. And he broke his leg in one game and wanted to carry on playing. I mean, that's the mark of the man, isn't it? You know, um, a broken leg was not going to stop Can I just add, add, Gal? Yeah. During that, um, during that game, when he did score that penalty against uh, Spain, do you think that Jonathan Pitts would be able to say that stick the Spanish Armada up your jacksie? <laughs> nowadays because he said it on commentary yeah um, I'm going to say I'm not no. sure that uh, <laughs> in a word no. I'm not sure yeah I didn't think so I just wanted to clear that with you because oh. I know everything about everything so just out of interest no. um, just out of interest we're going to um, I've got my last episode ne- next week I won't talk too much about it but we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the 90s and, and at times being a bit controversial but um, that's a really good point but I'd say no in answer to your question <laughs> fair play, fair play. <laughs> so right yo I'm going to you again just to keep it fair okay so who's your first centre half right I think I think this one's going to be different <clears throat> I'm sure of it so I've gone Rio Ferdinand right I think the most naturally gifted centre half that we've ever had and I mean, I saw it first and season 97, 98, when I had my sneaky season ticket down at West Ham. Yes. Now I'm an Arsenal. And that season, I mean, he was just incredible. And um, I just think that I could have gone with the likes of Butcher and Sol Campbell and people like that. I wanted a balance, you know, and obviously I won't say what my who my other centre half is yet, but I wanted a balance of kind of, you know, that quality along with steel next to him I think Rio um, for me even at such a young age um, was just absolutely immense so for me I've gone Rio Ferdinand as my first centre half brilliant thank you Yo Um, Mark yeah Uh, well I've got three centre halves here I mean this is where I think when you look at when you look at the England in the 90s and stuff and you're looking at you know positions I think you're blessed absolutely blessed with sort of I don't know A-list and B-list centre-halves and uh, whether it's the birth of the modern 
defender in, in Rio Ferdinand or, or the old school Terry Butchers. Uh, you can you can take everything. And like Yo says, I think there's enough in the 90s to get a balance, a good balance, uh, which is why <laughs> which is why I've got Rio in the back for uh, actually. <laughs> Can I ask? I can show you it. I can Rio, show you it. All right. <laughs> is Rio going in, in the middle of your back three? That's yeah, and I'll tell you why. Rio is, is the ball player, isn't he? Yes. If you look at my back three, he's the ball player. He's the one that's going to come out. And if the centre, if the if the wing backs are going to drop back in, Rio is the one, the ball carrier. He's the one that brings uh, the midfielders into play. Of his ball carrying, whatever it is he does. Uh, yeah. And like you say, he's stealing as well. He wasn't, he wasn't shy of a tackle. He wins lo- loads of errors. Uh, but yeah, I, the other two, they are, they're not going anywhere. You know what I mean? They're, they're literally not going anywhere. They're going to be staying on the halfway line during corners and stuff. So yeah, really is my ball playing uh, modern day centre half. Well, I mean, I'll add to be free. I was obviously being a West Ham fan, having my season ticket around the same time as Joe mentioned. And, and and he got in my um, my one to, my West Ham one to eleven on a recent podcast that I did, and for similar reasons really. And I kind of always sort of used the quote that Harry Redknapp uses: "It's just a Rolls Royce of a defender," you know. Even back then, at such a young age, and you knew that he was going to go on to like bigger and better things, and you knew he'd play for England for years to come, which he did, and he had a largely uh, successful career, obviously. Um, but you know, I will say he was he was top drawer at West Ham in the, the back end of the nineties, and and you've obviously you know by picking him in this England setup, you've you've acknowledged that as well that he was a fine player from such an early age. He didn't develop when he went to Leeds and Man United. Yes, he developed, but he was a very good player uh, when he first came through. So Rio Ferdinand goes in right. We go to the next two for Mark now. And then we come back to you. Okay. Well, we go one at a time, obviously, but then you get the next two first choices, Mark. Okay. So, yeah, do, you um, want, do you want me to just name the last two defenders I've got, Gal? Do you want me to just do that? Would that be I'll easier? Tell you what, yeah, pick your last two defenders, then we do that, and then we go for, yeah, because cool. Yo's last centre half as well, then. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Sure. Okay. Well, this is, this is where I start to become a little bit of a fraud. Because it's easy for me to go on and start looking at mid to late nineties, which is when I started really watching football, not playing it, but just watching it. So I've had to go back a little bit beforehand, and uh, my last two centre halves are Terry Butcher and uh, Des Walker. So that's where I've gone. Uh, Des Walker for his pace. I mean, I've had, to, <clears throat> like I say, I watched loads of the uh, you know highlights and the World Cups and stuff like that, and, and back in in the ninety World Cup. Those two, along with Mark Wright, were were phenomenal. Part of the reason why we got so far. Uh, Defence was awesome, but I would have to go back and. I mean, I couldn't give you their biography. You know what I mean? Those two. So this is, like I say, a little bit fraudulent. But uh, Butcher and Walker, Walker for his pace, Butcher because no one's getting past him, uh, and that's it. And I think they complement Rio very, very well at the back. Okay, um, yo, who's your uh, centre half? So, <clears throat> I've gone for Tony Adams. Um, a little bit biased. Hold on, wait a minute. Wait, you've gone for someone different here. Tony I've Adams. Gone for t- <laughs> you made it sound like I've been doing all of <laughs> no, I've gone The listeners are cheering. And, um, <laughs> I just feel that it's like when you think of, if you think of captain leader legend, right, we all you know, remember JT, obviously, a little bit later on. 
And I think just Tony Adams symbolised um, symbolised that perfectly. Um, captain quality, hard man. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of his dodgy suits that he, you know, shows off on TV now doing commentary and stuff. But as a player, for me, um, he was immense. And I know he had his problems, um, well documented with um, you know, alcohol and stuff like that he's spoken about. But when he was playing, um, for me, he's a, he's a great leader. And I think that that balance that Mark said that um, you need centre-backs, and I think that um, Butcher and um, Walker would have complimented Rio absolutely, 100%. I mean, Des Walker's speed was was, was fantastic. But I, I like that Rolls-Royce of Rio, and yeah. then that kind of that steel Tony Adams, easy captain. And I think that with the back four that I've chosen, I think if you look along those lines, you, you've got captains there. You've yeah. got captains. You've got Stuart Pearce, whether it be not Forest, Gary Neville, Man United. You've got um, Tony Adams at Arsenal, you know, and obviously Rio's captained um, you know, Man United as well. I'm not sure if he captained West Ham, but he's captained uh, Man United as well. So, yeah, that's the back four. I'm happy with that. And Tony Adams is my uh, second centre-half. Yeah. I mean, let's, I'll just add a few bits there. Like Terry Butcher. Terry Butcher and Tony Adams, sort of the same sort of ilk in the respect of you know, early 90s, that sort of solid, traditional, old-fashioned kind of defender. But what I will say, obviously, Terry Butcher's career sort of ended sort of early 90s. He was coming to the end of his uh, his career. Yeah. Um, and then, But Tony Adams obviously continued, and Tony Adams evolved into a more of a modern-type centre-half, um, and he adapted his game quite, uh, quite well under Fenger which is quite interesting, uh, I found. I mean, you only have to go back to, you know, that, that title-winning season in 98 when he ran through and, you know, finished with his left foot. Like, it was like Thierry Henry finishing at Henry and right, you know. Um, he, he really, had, he changed his game, his ways, and, and Finger was obviously a big influence on that. So, it was, but it was very much, you know, from that ilk of a Terry Butcher. Um, Des Walker as well, that's, he's come up as well in these podcasts as well. Um, obviously, was was a, you know, you'd never get past Des Walker as the chant, wasn't it? You know, so quick, as Joe yeah. said already. Um, he he was uh, he went off to play in Italy, which was you know it was at the time Serie A just sort of around the start of the Premier League was the the league to sort of go and play your trade, especially after Italia '90. Uh, he played for Sampdoria out there. Um, no, again, another one with a successful career um, and. Um, he, I believe, last time we did our Premier League Alternative 11, I think one of us put him in, didn't we, Mark? Des Walker? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure of it, yeah. Yeah. So, no, we've got back four for, or back five for Yo. Interestingly, out of all of those players, are any of those your captain for your team? I'll put a C by their name as well. Or should we come to that at the end? Ooh. Come back to that. that you've you've put me on the post there. All right. They're all captains, gal. They're all captains. Oh, they're Not all listening captains. to you. They're all captains. Okay. <laughs> we might pick a, a one captain at the end that's going to lead your team. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what we do is now we go. Um, let's go. So we're still on Marley, uh, Mark, um, and we go. Um, one of your centre midfielders. Have you got a a holding midfielder? <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, this is it, because, like you say, this is the one area of the England team where I'm thinking about this this holding midfielder. Paul Lintz, his name get, must get a shout for the holding midfielder, uh, certainly in the mid the mid to late 90s. 
Uh, there's an absolute plethora of, of sort of England midfielders that have been tried in that position. You go and have a look at like Dennis Wires, uh, Batty. Try have a little think. Got in my list here as well. Uh, Steve Stone went in there for a while. Nicky Butt went in there for a while. It's loads of them. Uh, but again, I've probably gone back to the to the, to the wrong end of the nineties. Uh, I've gone for Brian Robson. Brian Robson, right in the, right in there. Just just because ball to ball, uh, box to box, ball winner, box to box, ball winner. And again, probably similar ilk there to Terry Butcher in that. Maybe his better days were the late 80s, uh, but he was definitely still in there in the 90s. And I can't think, I mean, it was, it was a toss-up between Ince and, and Robson. But, uh, yeah, I, I think probably Robson for his, his box-to-box qualities rather than Ince holding. I think I've got enough defenders that I don't need an absolute holding midfielder to sit there and have six there. I don't need that. I don't okay. need that in this team. So, he's gone for Brian Robson, another leader there. Yeah, we'll come on to him in a moment. But yeah. Okay, yo. So you're playing four five one. Have you got a defensive midfielder that I could maybe put in sort of a similar sort of place there? What do you think? See, you see, the thing is, I haven't got specifically a holding midfielder. Okay, but I would need my two midfielders who understand the role. One right. goes. One stays. Okay. So I'm gonna go with a with a with a two with a two, a flat two, and um, if you're ready, I'll give you my uh, first midfielder. Yeah, you can actually you put both yours in now. Then yeah. so go with your first one. Both both mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's thanks very much. Right. So right. I've gone for and I'm gonna make it sound different. I've gone <laughs> for they called him the World Cup's unluckiest Englishman. And his name is Brian Robson. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he makes my team. And I, I think that the thing is, when I think of, you know, like the old Roy of the Rovers comics and stuff like that. Yeah. He got the, 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 he's on the front. I always, as for some reason, it's just Brian Robson. I mean, if, if I was Irish, it might be Roy Keane, right? But, um, yeah. you know, Brian Robson, to me, all action, box to box. Like I said, you know, if another centre midfielder next to him, goes I think that he's got the discipline in there to be able to sit yeah. and yeah. I think that um you know tackling and just ability as well on the ball you know um so I've gone for Brian Robson and like Mark said he's you know it was kind of that borderline because you know he was very 80s as well you know had a lot of injuries and stuff like that but you know he was you know he was a 90s uh, a 90s England player and um I can't think of any better Paul Ince as well in there but but definitely, yeah, Brian Robson's my choice for the first uh, centre midfield. Okay, just before you pick the second one, actually, I'll just talk about Brian Robson a little bit as well. Um, and just add a few bits. Obviously, he talked about the injuries. Um, he was, you know, largely successful in the 80s. Um, injuries sort of set in in the 90s. It kind of, yeah, like you said about the unluckiest England midfielder, 1990 World Cup got injured. Um but there's a good story, isn't there, about Brian Robson in Euro 96 when he was on the coaching staff. And when I went out to Hong Kong and uh, T- Terry Venable said, um, all right, yeah, you can go out for Gaz's birthday. Um, and uh, But don't worry, Brian will look after you. Brian Robson will take you out and look after you so you don't get into any mischief and all of that. 
and obviously he was he was a big drinker and one of the biggest drinkers uh in you know there so uh, which resulted into uh, one of the most um, infamous shall we say nights on a night out for an England squad uh, which resulted in the uh, the dentist chair celebration for Gaza against <laughs> Scotland so uh, Brian Robson good on and off the pitch I think it's fair to say um, and like you said a leader a leader as well or maybe led them down the wrong path that night but it looks like they had a great night to be honest and what a great story um, so who's your who's your other midfielder alongside Brian Robson yo right so I've gone for Scolzi, Paul Scholes, um, and it's just, for me, it's just talent. Um, you know, not much else to say on Scholes. I mean, when you've got the likes of Zidane, you know, saying that Scholes is one of the greatest midfielders he's ever seen, I think that, um, for me, he, he makes my team. And I think if you look back at Scholes's England career, obviously, as it went forward throughout the, uh, the noughties, I mean, I think that he was wasted. I think that the formations that we played potentially didn't suit him. Stuck out on the left wing, I remember. And it just, it kind of frustrated me. But, you know, given this is fantasy and, you know, we're picking our uh, our teams, I'm going to have Skulls in there, centre midfield, you know, being able to break forward, being able to do the other side of it as well. Maybe not the tackling so much, maybe just a bit more fouling. But... I want him in there. I want him in centre midfield. I would have loved to have seen him there more. Um, for me, Ginger Scolzi goes in centre midfield next to Brian Robson. Class player. Okay. okay. I might come back to Scholes in a moment, but let's go to um, Mark then. Uh, you've got Brian Robson in. Who's one of your other midfielders in the middle there? Yeah. It's another, yeah, it's another position, isn't it, where there's been absolutely bundles of uh, players that have gone into that position. Uh, before Yo announces Gascoigne, uh, I'm going to say Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> <laughs> but don't forget, I'm playing with three in the centre there. So my options are a little bit limited. My my next midfielder, we'll come on to that in a minute, is, is, uh, is a bit of a wild card. I mean, I wouldn't say a wild card. I mean, I've looked at skulls, but I, I don't want him to be too similar to, to, to what else I've got in the, in the midfield. So... Yeah, Gascoigne goes in, so Robson and Gascoigne, I mean, what hasn't been said about Paul Gascoigne? I mean, what is the point in even me bringing him up other than to say that the man was, you know, just an enigma, he's a genius, you know what I mean? The things he could do um, far outweighed the things that he did off the pitch, so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could have a whole podcast on Paul Gascoigne if you want to go, but he's going in alongside, uh, he's going on alongside Brian Robson, sure. Right, I'm going to just talk about Paul Scholes first and just uh, add with that. And I think, um, like, going from what Yo was saying as well, um, the thing about Paul Scholes, which um, which I found um, watching him play, was that he always seemed to have time on the ball. Um, you know, he wasn't the quickest of players, but he was always in space. Um, he, you know, he had just had a footballing brain that didn't, didn't, he didn't need to be quick. Um, he was very, very clever, um, very good at what he did. Um, he had a range of a range of qualities, obviously. Um, he could sit deep if he wanted and just dictate play from a deep position. Um, but in his early career, he got forward a lot and scored an awful lot of good goals as well um, in the 90s when he first broke through. So he had a lot to his game and a longevity to his career as well and played, obviously, in successful sides, which helped. 
You're right, and we talked about formations tonight already, uh, that England were very rigid um, with that, perhaps with that golden generation. And, you know, a lot of players played out the left. And, and Paul Scholes retired early as well from England. Um, and was that one of the reasons, perhaps, um, that he just didn't feel like he was getting the best out of his game um, playing, perhaps. Um, and then coming into Gascoigne, I think... Um, as people where I spoke about Gascoigne a lot on this podcast and, and you're right, Mark, I don't think we really need to add much more than he, yeah, he was a genius, um, an absolute pleasure to watch. Um, and yeah, I just, what, what a fantastic player. Um, just, yeah, I think we just leave it there. What a maverick. So, and I think we all appreciate, appreciate that type of player. Um, so, um, so yo, does he go in your team? Well, we said leave it there. I've got notes, you see, Gal. I've got notes and I've got to, I've got to read them. Oh, he wants to add his... So, oh, so is he... Notes and I, want, I want to add my reasons. I can't just leave it there. Um, right. <laughs> right, so my... Um, yeah, so my, like, attacking... He's not really an attacking midfielder, but I might push him a little bit further forward than Robson and Skulls in that middle. Um, is Gaza. Um, the dribbling... The tears, burping, the cheekiness, the quality—just like an amazing player, like you've both um, you've both alluded to. And um, I just feel like those runs from midfield. I remember, I think it was against Cameroon in 1990, against when he he jinked through and then he burst through midfield and then slid in Gary Lineker, who got brought down for the penalty, and just like things like that, just you know, iconic, uh, uh, iconic player, um, character on and off the pitch. Um, so yeah, um, Gascoigne just—he was always going to be in both of our teams. There was no doubt about that. So Gaza goes in there. Super. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, I think I think we've. Uh, yeah, I think all listeners would would agree. What a fantastic player Gascoigne was in the nineties for England. Definitely. Um, now we're going to go. Um, I tell you what we do. We will go. We stay with you, and we go on your right-hand side. Right, so um, <clears throat> I gave a little hint to this um, to this earlier when I came to Gary Neville. So I'm going to go with. I'm going to go. I'm going to get. What was that? Mate? I'm going to go. I'm going <laughs> to go with Bex. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Bex. I just feel. I feel like his quality was undervalued for England. I really do. I, I think that he's Bex has got a bit of everything, or he had a bit of everything. Um, He's got that star quality, obviously. Delivery unquestioned, work ethic, game intelligence, would do anything for England, for his country. And also like a huge amount of caps, captain at two World Cups. I mean, like, yeah, I just, I think he's an extraordinary player. And um, I think that we forget, we forget that sometimes, maybe because of certain things and the lifestyle, you know, outside and the, you know, posh spice and stuff like that. But if you remember that when he stepped on that pitch, you know, it wasn't like his head was somewhere else. He was always right there in the moment. Um, so for me, Beckham, absolute quality. I, I did toy with the idea that he didn't have much pace. And that was the problem that I actually have going forward with my squad. So, you know, I couldn't really have him as a, as a wide winger. Mm. I could have potentially looked at Steve McManaman or someone like that. You know, for that kind of jinky pace, beat a man. That's why I've gone four-five and had the kind of left midfielder, right midfielder, 
And um, for me, Bex is there as a right midfielder, solid. Okay, right. We'll go to Mark then to put your final midfielder in the middle and then we'll come back to Bex after. Mm. Yeah, it's a tricky one, this. I mean, crikey, there are so many other midfielders, aren't there? You know what I mean? I, I can only put three in and there's you know, 20, 30 of them that have probably represented England in the 90s. Uh, but I've gone... I've gone for something that I haven't got, and I know I haven't got width in midfield. I know that. So I'm looking for someone who can pop up and help Piercy on the left, come around the other side, help Neville out on the right, get down the wings a little bit. Uh, I've gone John Barnes. I've gone John Barnes. I've gone John Barnes. I mean, how many other midfielders are there? I mean, Chris Waddle, David Platt, uh, Matt Letizia, Steve McManaman, uh, John Solarco, Steve Guppy. Uh, <laughs> obviously a little joke there but uh, yeah, there's so many decent midfielders but I've gone for something that I haven't got and I think Barnsley's linking runs collecting the ball out wide collect, just linking I know, I know Gascoigne can do all of that I know he can do all of that but what he, what he, what he doesn't do Gascoigne he doesn't come wide for the ball it doesn't help out Piercy when he, when he needs an option he doesn't want to go long you know Gary Neville you know, he's not going to beat a man, so he's going to need someone else to help him out. And I just think Barnes, I just think he would do that. And so uh, I think he complements the midfields. Again, the balance uh, is key. You all know that. Like, talk about Paul Scholes popping up on the left. What, what a waste, you know. He's not a winger. He's not a winger. So, but that's what I don't have. I don't have width, and I think Barnes would be able to fill that void for me. And, and not just fill it, I think he'd do well with it as well so yeah John Barnes in he goes so let's talk about we'll talk about Bex first and we'll talk about um, John Barnes so Bex obviously um, come in and he, he scored in the 98 World Cup the, the free kick against Colombia we remember um, obviously the sending off kind of um, was hugely significant but what we talked about in a previous podcast with Paul and Louise was the, the resilience to come back from uh, adversity, really, to, to achieve what he did, um, not just, obviously, uh, domestically, but internationally as well, to become England captain. Um, I remember the free kick, um, Greece, Old Trafford. Obviously, it's not in the 1990s, but we mention it. Um, I remember being in the SU bar at Essex Uni and just jumping up and down on people I didn't know um, and just like, I mean, bearing in mind, we, we only really drew 2-2 two, two against Greece and it was a struggle, <laughs> but what a free kick that was. And he sort of, um, he you could tell he kind of did love playing for his country and I think maybe at different tournaments, 2002, he was unlucky with an injury as well, uh, as Rooney was later on um, in another tournament. So, um, no, I can definitely see why why he goes in, yo, um, and he brings balance to your right hand side. And that he talks about, you know, playing alongside Gary Neville as well, club football. They knew each other's games very well. Um, and then talk about John Barnes as well. I mean, John Barnes, again, like I've read sort of or listened to Jamie Redknapp as well talk about John Barnes as, you know, what a sort of a role model he was as well um, to younger players. Um, and you know, I always probably felt with John Barnes that, you know, he had he had that real potential and things. And, and I think sometimes, I think when I watched him, I was only young, but maybe I, I should appreciate him more now. Maybe I do. Um, and I, I kind of just wanted to, you know, 
when you score a goal against Brazil like he scored, you can't do that every time. But you know when you, that's fixated in your head and you think, oh, he's got the ability to do that. Uh, and uh, but yeah, what a, he adapted his game as well, a bit like Giggs he'd done later in his career. Come more in the middle, um, very good on the ball, um, good range of passing. Um, and yeah, he's he, he had a good England career as well. And I will say about John Barnes as well. And I watched that documentary uh, with Graham Taylor, the Graham Taylor documentary. And you forget as well just how much sort of stick John Barnes got as well from, yeah. from England fans. And and again, like it's that going talking about David Beckham as well, coming back each time and performing you know, for your country, even though things might not be going well, but being brave enough to get on the ball and at least try things. And Barnsley definitely did that. So I totally understand why he goes in your team, Mark. So um, so where are we then? We go, um, should we finish off with your midfield on the sort of the left-hand side, Joe? Well, yeah, I mean, you just gave a... <coughs> Have a nice little speech, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, oh, I don't know what right. to say now. You, you, you gave a nice little speech, mate. Look, um, I've messed up here, haven't I, a bit? Sorry. John Barnes, go, John Barnes goes in on my left-hand side. Um, for me, probably alongside Gazza and Scolzi, he is the most talented player um, in there. Yeah. Um, certainly the most talented left, left footer that we've had. Um, I actually spent some time at Charlton with John Barnes. Um, obviously, I was, you know, a young apprentice and he was coming towards the end of his career. But, um, you know, not to just name drop, but, you know, spent a good few hours out on the training pitch with him, pinging balls, corners, crosses and stuff like that. Um, absolute gent and such a talented player. And like you said, um, this very underappreciated for many different reasons, you know, especially, you know, times during the 80s and stuff like that it was a it was a difficult period yeah. um but showed a lot of resilience and i think you know what i didn't jot down which you've mentioned is that potentially could have got more out of him like you said you could have you know when you, you watch him and you, you think he's got all that ability and maybe there's something that is in there that it's not expressing himself all the time but for me um he would bring balance on the left hand side Super player, John Barnes. Vision, technique, dribbling, everything. Yeah, and that's a lovely, lovely story as well, because obviously um, for our listeners, um, Yo obviously did, as I mentioned, the first episode about his his sort of career, um, you know, making it pro and and so on. And, and that's a nice story. And I never knew that uh, that story, that you've, you've had that opportunity to kind of do that, you know, and be on a training pitch with John Barnes, what a legend. Um, and, you know, we'll always remember 1990 as well for the fantastic rapping. I mean, I tried it on episode one of season two, but I know John Barnes. So, uh, <laughs> I thought you dropped in Express Yourself as well in there, yeah. I thought you said he yeah. expressed himself. I thought that was, uh, I don't know if that, that was a pun intended or not. <laughs> <laughs> Of course it was. That's what I thought of, and I, that's why I brought that up. <laughs> of course he said it for that. He's got the lyrics in front of him. He's going to sing it in a minute. <laughs> right, <wait> a minute. <laughs> right. I, did no, you not think though, as well, with Barnsley, people talking about him being a little bit uh, underappreciated? But in the signs that we've picked, I think he would have just been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. You know I mean? Not to say that the teams that he played with weren't, but with the players around him. 
with so many leaders, they would have helped him out no end. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think that for both teams at the minute. Completely agree. And that balance that we that we missed for so many years on that left hand side. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ryan Giggs to be English at one point, weren't we? Um, you know, uh, well, to pick England, he, he played for England. Obviously, Giggs he played for England as a you know schoolboy level and stuff like that. But we yeah. were crying out for balance on the left, and we never really, never really had it at all no. at any point. And I think that if John Barnes would have been you know playing in that kind of um, the era in the 2000s and stuff like that, then yeah, I mean, what a player. So yeah, yeah. we both can appreciate. Definitely, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate what John Barnes did uh, in his career. Definitely, one hundred percent. And to be honest, what he's doing since as well, and and he's like you said, yeah, I think you you said already, he's a gent, isn't he, John Barnes? So good to watch on Harry's Heroes, actually, as well, John Barnes. Yeah, good to watch. Um, right, let's go. We've got ten players for Yo. We've got nine for Mark. So let's go with one of. Uh, Let's go with one of your strikers first of all, and I won't talk about cool. them until I come to you. <laughs> yeah. The formations have messed me up. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I don't know how you've done this, mate. Left one up front. I, I, there's so much, there's so much, yeah. so many strikers, so much potential out there, and so many to choose from. Uh, I mean, you looked at '96 and Shearer and Sheringham. Uh, do you do that? Do you go? I mean, where, where do you put Lineker? You know, it's just—it's just a crazy decision. It's a crazy decision. Like, who who you pick? Uh, but I have got two strikers, thankfully, and I am going to go for again balance a little bit of something different because it doesn't always work. So I'll, I'll go for well, I'll go Alan Shearer first. That's where I've gone. Alan Shearer first. Uh, <sighs> For every, for every reason you can possibly think of, all the listeners will know more than me. Uh, again, another leader, another captain. Uh, when things are, you know, things are not going your way, he's there. He'll be there in the ball out from corners. He'll be up there, you know, holding the play up. Or if he's in the box, he's smashing the ball in. He's got everything. You know what I mean? I know he's maybe he hasn't got a good range of passing or whatever it is, but everything else is there. He was solid. He could win pens. Uh, you know, in mind getting stuck in, and more than that, he just scored goals from everywhere outside the box, inside the box, headers, volleys you name it. He was there and he, he was doing it. And his goal scoring record for England weren't too bad, it's sort of a one in a two, one in two man. So, yeah, Alan Shearer, uh, he goes in, he goes in as my first striker, yeah, for sure. Right now, I'm just going to ask a question, I just want a yes or no, yo, okay? Is Alan Shearer your striker? <laughs> I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want Do you want Mark to pick his second striker and then they come back to you? Yeah, do you know what? I, you know, you know what? I, I've to, I'll be honest. I've toiled with this all day. Okay. I um I texted text a friend earlier, said I was doing this podcast and you know send it to him and stuff when it when it's released and um and he said to me, he said to me, oh Shearer's got to be in. And at that point, I was like, well, you know, does he? Does he have to be in? You know, and, and I, I, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of pressure on me today with this striker because I've gone with the one, you yes. see. I've only gone with the one. So like Mark said, it's difficult because if you think back, we've had the likes of, you know, we've had Shearer, we've had Owen, we've had Ferdinand, we've had Lineker, you know, people like that. And how can I go with just one? Mm. Especially with... 
you know, the formation I've got, maybe a lack of pace and stuff like that. So, you know, originally, originally, I didn't have Alan Shearing up until maybe an hour or a couple of hours ago. <laughs> I have got I know this was a long-winded way around getting right. to Alan Shearing, but I have gone. Now, You've gone with I, him, yeah. I've gone with him. Now, I, I thought, for some reason in my head, I was thinking, no pace, right? And I've got Bex and I've got Barnsley. Barnsley could dribble. wasn't the speed demon. I've got Bex, not really a lot of pace. Shearer, not really a lot of pace. But then when I think about the 90s, I shouldn't be thinking about Shearer towards the end in 2005-06. I'm thinking about him in the 90s. And actually, looking at him, he had a lot of pace. He could do a lot. You know, he could get out there on the wing. He could hold it up. He could, he could burst through. I remember his debut for Southampton, scoring a hat-trick and the different goals and then the yeah. way that he played for Blackburn. And I know we're talking about England, but like Mark said, he was a one-in-two striker. Um, nobody can forget Euro 96 and how amazing he was there. Um, so, you know, he was a captain. I just couldn't leave him out. I, I, I wanted to go Owen. I wanted to go Owen to get that electric pace in yeah. there. And then I could have people to kind of join in from midfield. Hmm. But, you know, I mean, like Mark said, it, it was his World Cup 98. But I just think, Alan, I just couldn't leave out Alan Shearer. It's just, he's, 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 too, he's too good. Yeah. So he goes in as my main striker. I expect him to do a bit of everything. Um, Alan Shearer. That's it. And I think you have to think about the fact that you're playing one up front, as you've said, that if you're playing one up front, potentially that player's got to be able to hold the ball up, potentially. Yeah. And it does, he offers a little bit more, doesn't he? You know, he can win headers, he can battle up there if he needs to, but he can hold the ball and bring others into play as well. And he scores a, an abundance of goals. I mean, obviously, you know, he, he got his move to Blackburn from Southampton, won a league there, scores a, a, a number of goals with Chris Sutton, another SAS combination, as in Sheeran Sheringham as well in Euro 96. And um, it's interesting, actually, uh, you go back to Euro 96, but pre-Euro 96, Alan Shearer hadn't scored for England for, for about yeah. two years. Um, yeah. And Terry Venable said he made him feel about 10 foot high. So he said, um, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. You're my main man. You're in. You're going to go in and you're going to score goals. And lo and behold, you know, Euro 96, he did and what a tournament he had. Um, but he also had, you know, a good a good tournament as a leader in '98 uh, as well in the World Cup. So I can understand that two competitions, and that's why um, Shearer goes in both your teams. Um, so that completes your team, yo. And then Mark, we're going to come for your final strike. You've obviously gone I'm for jealous, two up top. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> he's got a He's got, he's got another striker in there to put in there. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Is this a cover? Is this a cover? I'm in the hands to give a little. You don't know who it is yet. No. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. But shortlist, on the shortlist, it was either Lineker or Owen. Yeah. Uh, and for two very different reasons. I think Owen, uh, for, for reasons mentioned earlier on, yeah, you know, he was just... It looks something completely different to Shearer. He was fast, nippy, played on the last man a lot, caused different kinds of headache for defenders that, than Shearer probably did. Like I say Shearer did a little, little bit of his work outside the box. Uh, to some extent, I suppose Owen did as well, but he would be more running at defenders rather than Shearer would be back to goal in, in a lot of the situations. But Lineker was a, was a fox in the box and he scored goals, just scored goals. Um, 
and for that reason, I've gone with Lineker. I've gone with Lineker. It's a, it's a tricky one because I would love to have seen Owen and Shearer get so much more game time. But Owen, Owen's injuries, uh, you know, and in that game in Germany when he got his hat trick, I know that was in the noughties, the 5 1 against Germany. But I think, again, sort of Lineker's sort of early 90s, Owen's late 90s. But on record, Lineker's got a better goal scoring record. I'm, I'm going to go Lineker. I'm just going to go Lineker. Lineker and Shearer together yeah. up front for England. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I'll say is going back to the Owen and Shearer thing, putting them together, they don't get on nowadays, so uh, they might not <laughs> they might not link up that well. Yeah. They've had a bit of a disagreement on Twitter, haven't they, about six months to a year ago. So um, perhaps it's wise to go with Lineker and Shearer. They're match of the day buddies as well. Um, but yeah. you know, let's talk about them again. Um, I'll mention a few things. Obviously, Owen burst onto the scene. It's that electric pace he had originally, and it's a shame, isn't it, yeah. with the injuries? And and sometimes me and Yo talked about you know young players coming through and the amount of gym work that goes on and things like that, maybe muscles not developing and properly. And maybe Owen had that problem, and that's why the hamstring. Once the hamstring went once. You know, he lost that element of play. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, what a career he had um, going past that. But, you know, that in 98, you know, when he first broke on the, on the scene and Harry was scoring goals for Liverpool, I remember the, the hat-trick away at Newcastle, I think, 97. I mean, he was unreal. Or just, no, sorry, it was, uh, was post-World Cup 98, uh, 99. Um, and then you talk about Lineker. I mean, I was listening actually, interestingly, to uh, Eddie Hearn's podcast today with Gary Lineker that was recorded back in October. And Gary Lineker said, it's really interesting this, he said he was never confident um, in his game and things like that. He scored four against uh, against Spain in the burn run back to Brian Robson and said, how do I get so lucky like that? Like he just didn't feel like he just was in the right, he said he was just in the right place at the right time. Um, never felt, you know, that that confident that he, you know, he was just, he said, when he got into the reserves at Leicester, he said, oh, I'm going to get found out here. And then he progressed and he got into the first team. And he just sort of like, you know, he just, the next thing was in that progression, progression. And he said, like, he's so lucky, like, in the respect and blessed, like, what career he had. And obviously now, in, you know, in the media as a presenter and his success in that. And I always find it a shame how Lineker's sort of England career ended, which I sort of started with this podcast with, with 92, with, you know, it's kind of being hauled off when you're chasing a game, you need a goal. And, you know, would he have got that record as well? I mean, you know, it was it was harsh, wasn't it? Harsh way to end. But I guess, obviously, then he, he hands the mantle over to, to Alan Shearer, who's in both of your teams, and he carried it on, didn't he, for England? So... Now, we've got a number of leaders in that team. I didn't ask you for this uh, pre-podcast, um, pre but I think it's wise to have a captain in your team. You've got a lot of you, you know, you look at your teams, you've got a number of captains in that team. But if you had to choose one, who would your captain be for this England 11? Um, who would like to go first? Just put your hand up for me. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the same. It's gonna be the same. Uh go on then, I'll go. Uh, I, I think I think Stuart Pierce is obviously is too obvious. You know what I mean by that? Right. Like he don't he doesn't need the armband, does he? A lot of these players don't need the armband. You know what I mean? It might be that you go in the other way. 
and you start saying, you, you see all these leaders and you might say, uh, you know, yeah, Barnsley, there's the, there's the captain's armband for you. Look at all of these leaders, but we're going to pick you. You know what I mean? Just like a bit of a confidence booster. So, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to go a little bit left field there. I'm going to give it to, uh, I'm going to give it to Barnes. Just because anyone else is already a leader. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, go with that. Going John Barnes. Yeah. Yeah, why not? He was, you know, Yo said like, you know, what a gent sort of, you know, putting his arm around a Gascoigne or something like that. He could do that as well, potentially. Um, And yeah, maybe, you know, wanting a little bit more from him. Maybe that would have been the thing that's kind of, you know, uh, gave him that little bit more of a, a push sort of thing. So John Barnes. Yeah, I don't think the rest of the team would have. You know, I don't, it's not a sort of team that would have looked around and gone, "Has he given him the armband?" You know what I mean? Everyone would have expected And someone, you know, John, look, have a look. Look at all these people on the pitch. Your job to lead them. Off you go. You know what I mean? Show them what you've got. I don't and know. the thing is, John Barnes went into management as well, so you know he 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 wanted to go through that path as well. So he's got, and he must have worn the armbands towards the end for Liverpool in the nineties. Oh yeah, no, he did. Yeah, he, did yeah, he would have done. Um, so yeah, he's a captain in his own right, isn't he? So John Barnes is your captain. Yo, I've given you a lot of thinking time there. What are you going for? I respect that. I respect the Barnes one. I think that there's yeah, it's not it's not out of. Um... It's not too left field. I think that he could, he could have done that job. Um, <clears throat> I'll go a little bit more predictable, I think, and I'll... Um, oh. <laughs> See, I've got... It, for me, it comes down to Adams and Robson, and it just depends on what I like from a personal perspective in my captain, whether I like my captain to kind of see the whole field in front of him, which I do generally like or if I want my midfielder to really pull everyone together in there. Man United, Arsenal. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm, I'll give it to Tony. I'll give it to Tony Adams. Tony Adams. Um, off. Um, captain material. Like you said, this captain, like we both of us said, this captain's all over the pitch here in both of our teams. Um, so I feel that we could generally pick most people. Maybe not Gaza, but we can pick most people. We can pick most, <laughs> most people. So... Um, yeah, I'll go with Tony Adams as my captain, as my leader, my legend. And, uh, yeah, he's going to captain the... And I think he captained England many times. So, yeah, happy with that. Yeah. Tony Adams. Uh, was he... Um, who was the captain Euro 96, actually? Was it Adams? I think it was Adams, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was Tony it was Adams. Adams. Yeah. And I, I think 98 as well, or Shearer, or one or the other. Shearer or I Adams, think Shearer but... was captain in... I think Shearer might have been captain in 98. 98, potentially, yeah. Potentially. But Adams was Adams was captain for one of those for, for Euro 96, yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's it. About, I think captains are important, but if you've got 11 captains on the pitch, then you're, you're, you know, you're blessed, aren't you? And I think, and uh, you know, with regards to this... Picking this England team tonight, I'd expect you to have, you know, a lot of captains out there really, because ultimately they're they're captains for a reason. You know, they're the cream of the crop, um, the players that are doing well in club football and, and therefore um, going to play for England at international level. Um, now I'll just read out uh, the. Te- I will say actually, just before I read them out, you know, what will be an interesting podcast is the worst England. 11 the <laughs> 90s because there are so, i'm not going to name names now we could all name some names but there was i mean still even not maybe so much today uh, i think gareth southgate seems to be getting it right with who he's choosing giving caps out but 
you know, paper with one caps and things like that you go through and you've mentioned a few already tonight, but that's another another story in itself. But but we were blessed with a lot of talent and that's difficult. And I, I understand when you both said that was difficult and I hold my hands up, I'm quite glad I didn't have to pick one tonight really because uh, I would have found that tricky as well. So we just go through, I'll read these out again for the listeners, but what we will do is we'll post something up so you can vote on your which team you would select, Yo, Yo's one or Mark's one. Okay, so Yo's one was a 4-5-1. Uh, David Seaman in goal, Gary Neville right back, Rio Ferdinand, Tony Adams to skipper, centre-halves, Stuart Pearce left back, Skulls and Brian Robson in the middle, Bex out on the right-hand side, John Barnes on the left-hand side, Gascoigne is your maverick in the middle, Alan Shearer leads the line up top. Uh, Mark's formation is a 5-3-2, um, David Seaman in goal, um, uh, again, Three centre-halves, Terry Butcher, Rio Ferdinand, Des Walker, Gary Neville, your right wing-back, Stuart Pearce, your left wing-back, Brian Robson, Paul Gascoigne and John Barnes make up the three in the middle, John Barnes is your skipper. Um, and then up top, we've got um, Gary Lineker and then who handed over the mantle to Alan Shearer. Okay, so those are the teams. Um, when we first started... We thought they were they were going to be pretty much the same, but as the time <laughs> as time went on, it sort of changed. So that gives um, that gives listeners an opportunity to kind of select. And I think um, don't maybe listeners don't think about captain as such. That was just an extra, uh, but think about the team, the formation, what you think would work. Um, and also not just that, so you can vote on that. We're hoping to put something together so you can vote on it. And then um, maybe who would be in your 11 as well if you had to choose. And remember the rule, they had to have at least five caps um, from 1990 to uh, the end of 1999. Um, now, I know you found it both uh, difficult to put that team together, but did you enjoy that, Mark? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. You know what I mean? One of the things I was thinking about, you know, when thinking about select a formation that was the biggest one for me i think we said it earlier on you know on the text and stuff square pegs in round holes you know what i mean where, where do you go a lot of teams this day these, these days they play players and they they can't play in that position or that you know it, it's, it's really tricky it's so so tough and you're fighting against every instinct you've got as well because you're trying to play the modern day game who would you know the modern day england with with old players Enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'm going to put that team into championship manager and see how I get on for a few seasons. That's it. And what about you, Yo? What do you want to add about your experience? Yeah, um, no, I, I enjoyed it. And I think that I alluded to it um, at the start. Um, you know, there are certain players in there that I would have loved to have got in, potentially, that, um, you know, just didn't qualify. And I think like Mark said, formation just so important because you know we're both trying to put together teams that are realistic and they're balanced and they complement each other players complement each other so um it, it, it was difficult but i do feel like that we we kind of hit the nail on the head with a few real kind of stars because we've we, you know we've gone for a lot of the same players so that must mean something right um and i think that those players that we have chosen would have um yeah that team both teams would do a great job 
Uh, yeah. I don't know who would win. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, mate, and thanks, Mark, as well. Um, I think they are both very good teams. Um, I'd find it hard to choose. I might have a little vote myself. I don't think I'll tell you what I voted really for. Um, but, or I might remain impartial. But, but listen, um, thank you, Yo. Thank you, Mark, for your time um, for, and for being the guest tonight on this podcast, sharing your thoughts on those England players in the 90s and debating. And, you know, obviously, like I said, you come up with similarities but differences. So any of my listeners who would like to choose either Mark or Yoantz's team or select their own 11, join the debate or email me at podbitd uh, at gmail.com or message on Twitter at podbitd, bitd is capitals, or Instagram, podbitd, it's all lowercase. And also give me a follow. If you'd like to appear on a future pod, also get in touch. Uh, links to all the po- podcasts are in the bio on Twitter and Instagram with a new episode each week. And you can find out the po- uh, find the podcast on other platforms as well, such as Spotify. Uh, thank you again, Mark. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Cheers, buddy. Appreciate and it. Thank you as well. Yo, it's nice to have you back. It's been so long, hasn't yep. it, since you, you kicked yep, it off. Loved it, loved thank it. You, mate. Thank you to uh, thank you to you, thank you to Mark as well. Yeah, thank uh, you. Both you. And uh, yeah, loved it. Thanks very much, mate. Perfect. Okay. You have been listening to Back in the Day. Thank you for listening and please pass the pod.